Good to see you this morning. Uh, welcome to our service and to our fellowship. Um, it's uh, lovely, again, always to be able to come on site and have this worship together. I was pondering and wondering during the worship this morning, and I was doing more listening than worshipping, I have to confess, this morning, because uh, I was... I was listening to the voices of God's people worship and, and how, what a splendor it is, what a, an amazing sound to hear the people of God worship uh, and adore their King and their Lord. And that really, was a really beautiful um, reflection during that, during that worship time. And I had the privilege, you know, the Bible, um, you know, we have a very, very, uh, it's like a, not so much unique, but wonderful, beautiful opportunity when we worship together because we have our children with us before they go to Sunday school and before they go to childcare. And, um, and this is that very unique time of the morning where, where we get to have fellowship with our children. Uh, we, get to have, you know, we get to worship God with them uh, and not necessarily as they head off into a different place for, for their teaching. And it was just beautiful for me to be able to have a young boy behind me just worship his heart out, you know, this morning. And I was just kind of listening to his voice and got kind of caught up by that. It was lovely. But it's a beautiful time. It's a beautiful time to be able to come together and, and worship, uh, worship the Lord um, together. And we thank God for that. Let's pray. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless his word this morning and that our hearts will be open to listen to what he has to say to us um, and that we are encouraged through the words of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you that every opportunity we have to open your word is an amazing blessing, that we can do this freely and openly in this country, that we can read and listen and live and, 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 and um, commit ourselves to your word and your way. Father, we pray, we pray your hand be upon everything that is said and done. We thank you for the worship and we thank you for this time in your word. Lord, we pray by your spirit, lead us and guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I had this really interesting experience of the day. I went to um, Bunnings. I went to Bunnings because I had to pick up, um, my my mum is renovating her bathroom, so I had to pick up a toilet for her renovations. And I went to Bunnings and I, I sort of knew what I was going to get, and I walked in, and you know those people stand at the front of the store, they want to direct you to different places, yeah? I went up to the person at the front of the store, and I said to them, oh, do you know, can you tell me where the toilets are? And so, so the lady, or I forget who it was, lady or man, uh, said, oh, it's go all the way down there, and then get to the end, and then go turn left, and then go all the way to the back. <clears throat> and I, <clears throat> I started to walk, and I realized, Oh, she's telling me where the toilets actually are. Because where, well, you know, she's telling me, like at the back of the store. So I had to go back and said, oh, no, no, sorry. What I meant was I actually want to buy a toilet, right? <laughs> where, where are the actual toilets? Oh, okay, they're over here. I'm just going you know, to go there. But what I, what I, I was thinking about it and um, I was thinking this. I was thinking what I was saying and what she was hearing was completely different things. Yeah? What I was trying to communicate and what she was hearing was just totally on different, different levels. Uh, we were just meaning and hearing different things. And I, and I hope this morning as a church, this is not what we do. This is not what happens. I hope, I really hope, that what, I, what I'm trying to communicate this morning and what you're hearing, I hope they're not two different things. 
I hope that when I say something and I share something from God's word, that the filter in which you take it in isn't a filter based on protecting yourself. Because if you're here sitting here this morning wanting to protect yourself and, and, and guard yourself and guard your life, then you're going to hear not what I'm saying. Do you understand? You're going to hear something different. You're going to probably take away something different. Or if, you're, if I'm sharing this morning and at the end of the, this morning you've purposed already, you've purposed already in your heart that no matter, no matter what I say, it's not going to make a difference to you. Then again, what I say, what I share with you, and what you hear are going to be totally different things. You're going to walk away, perhaps most likely, no different at all. And that's a real shame, because we spend 30 minutes or so in God's Word, and for us to take away something that we have already predetermined what we're going to take away is just a real shame. But to have opened our hearts this morning and say, God, I'm here, I'm here. You know, I'm sitting down, I'm listening to the Word of God. Okay, I might as well say, God, what do you want to tell me? What do you want to tell me? What is it that you want to share with me? Have I been running from something and you want to share something with me? Am I resisting something and you want to share something with me? Am I holding back something and you're trying to tell me to let it go? What is it? And it's a very, very brave prayer this morning, a very brave prayer. Even as I'm talking, you're just praying perhaps quietly in your mind. And it's a very brave prayer to pray something like this. Lord, just tell me what I need to hear. Just tell me what I need to hear. And when we do this, God is faithful. God is faithful to share. Because we're all different stages of life. Some of us are young and we're moving into certain stages of life. They might be, they might be you know... Um, you know, uh, starting relationships or getting married or having children. Some of us are other stages of life where, we, where we're looking after children and, and grandchildren. But whatever it is, where God is working something in us because he is trying to work more on the, not on the outward, but more on the inward of our lives. What is it going on deep within? Because it doesn't matter where you are in life, we all have the needs, the same needs. And God sees this. God sees this. And so I pray this morning that our hearts are not closed to hearing what um, the Word of God and hearing what we want to hear, but rather what the Lord is wanting to tell us. Is that fair enough? So let's open up God's Word. Let's go, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, which I started a few weeks ago. And I want to just continue this morning in this, in this passage, this beautiful passage where where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he wants to tell them something very significant about how we are to live and the confidence in which we can live by. Because not a lot of people live with confidence, uh, especially sometimes Christians and in Christian circles, the confidence drops for different reasons. Maybe the confidence drops because we feel life you know, gets the better of us often or we find ourselves up and down a lot, up and down a lot. Uh, or we see things and we hear things and we say, oh, if that's Christianity, I don't want anything to do with it. Whatever it is. But Paul here is reminding us of the importance to live with the confidence that we can live with because of the God and the God that he is. And he sets the scene by giving a whole range of examples in the Old Testament. We, we might have said this a few weeks ago. He gives a whole range of examples of the people in the Old Testament who did not do well. But then he moves into, essentially, I think he's talking about them, but what can be expected from us? And he, he says in verse, um, uh, verse 11, if we read from verse 11, he says, Now all these things happen to them as examples, 
and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Because no, no temptation has overtaken you uh, except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will always will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And so God, see, the Apostle Paul reminds us, he says, you know, all these people here, they were for our examples, and they're here to teach us something. They're here to warn us, and they're here to teach us. And then he moves into what we spoke about last time. He spoke about how if anyone thinks they stand, they need to really watch out lest they fall. And the point I made last time was this. God's plan for us, God's plan for every one of us, is not that we would fall. God's plan for us always is is that we stand. And that's why the scripture says it like this. He says, I want you to take heed, take heed lest you fall. He's not, he's not warning us or he's not saying to us, you know what, it's going to happen one day, this is going to happen, you're going to fall. No, he's not saying it like that. What he wants to tell us is this. He's reminding us that if um, anyone thinks he stands, just take heed lest you fall. Because God's plan for us is that we don't fall. God's plan for us is that we continue to stand with confidence and do the will of God in our lives. And so we don't look at the examples of the Old Testament and say to ourselves, well, they did it, therefore it's likely to happen to us. That's a bad use of the Old Testament examples. That's a wrong use of the Old Testament examples. God never put the Old Testament examples in there and say, oh, but look at, you know, look at David and then look at Moses and look at so-and-so and look at this person as a way to excuse our sin away. That's not God's purpose for it. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us clearly his purpose was to admonish and to warn and to teach so that we could be different. So we don't go to these people and say, well, just as well they did it because, boy, you know, I, I probably um, would, would you know, feel differently if they didn't. No, it's not about us finding comfort in their sin so that we can somehow excuse our own. It's to teach us how not to do it. Make sense? And we don't find comfort in the examples of people we know. We don't say, well, he's a, he's a Christian and he's meant to be a Christian for many years and look what he did. Surely I've got no hope or surely it's okay if I do. That's not, what, that's not how we use the, the, the examples of people. We just, that's not how we use the experiences of people to somehow excuse our lives away. Rather, we should look if, if you have come across someone that you thought was not capable of doing something and did something, well, that should be a strong warning for you. That should be an encouragement for you. That should be a, 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 a teaching for you that says, boy, I, that shows me how much I just need to be particularly careful. Because that's what God does. God is able and to equip us and to teach us so that we can stand. So remember Psalm 1836, I read to you that uh, Bible says that you have enlarged my path under me so that my feet do not slip. And while Jesus calls us to a narrow path, and indeed it is narrow when it comes to sin, he calls us to a very wide path when it comes to righteousness. And he says, this path is very large underneath me, so I don't slip. I don't slip. 
I don't need to worry about tripping over and slipping and, and necessarily doing the wrong thing because God has placed this wide path under me. Unless we go down the path we spoke about, Proverbs 7, we go down that slippery path of the boy or the young man who took the path along to the woman's house and found himself trapped and tricked into doing something that led to his own destruction. It's a very, very slippery path. But it starts with us deciding to go or not go. So the Apostle Paul, uh, the Apostle Jude concluded and said, Now to him, that's our Lord and God, who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory and his exceeding joy. Because that's the God that we serve. The God that we serve is the God that wants us to stand. He's the God that is able to keep us from stumbling. He's able to present us faultless uh, in his presence, uh, in the presence of his glory. That's what we've got to hear this morning. That's what I'm trying to communicate this morning. And so I pray this morning that you take away, you take away that rather than try and um, interpret it some other way. But surely in this situation, it's understandable. And surely in this situation, you can't blame me from doing this. Or surely, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a likely scenario that someone would sin in this situation. Well, no, hang on. The scriptures are telling us differently. And so we are encouraged. This ought to be an encouragement for us, uh, a confidence for us as believers that we, we are able to stand. And so God has called us to, to imitate Jesus He's called us to do life well. He's called us to live with purpose. Uh, But we know in all those situations, to live well and to live with purpose, we know that life is going to always be filled with temptations, isn't it? (laughs) Whether you're a Christian or not, the trials and the temptations of life are always going to come. You know, to live life and try and avoid these things is to live in a bubble. It's not even life. It's not, it doesn't even make sense to try and live life and avoid every temptation and trial in life. Rather, we face it with a confidence and by the power and the Spirit of God to know that God has given us the, 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 the reassurance of what we need to know. So before you worry, remember, no temptation is beyond you. No temptation is beyond you. And that's why the, 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 um, the apostle says this, that no temptation, verse 13, has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Common to man. Brothers and sisters, this is a common experience. God doesn't look at you and say, I'm going to target you. Maybe the devil does. But God doesn't look at us and target us with things that he wants to make us fall. God doesn't tempt with evil. Neither is he tempted with evil. He doesn't do things for the intention to make you stumble and fall. He's not targeting you. He's not deliberately putting something before you so that you can stumble and fall, that one day you can look back and say, well, God, why did you put it there? That's not God. His purpose is so different to this. And one way he explains it to us is this. What you're experiencing is common to man. 
from what you're experiencing is not unique to you. Every single person living on this earth experiences what you experience just in different shades. This is common to man. This is common to humanity. And because it's common to humanity, the Lord Jesus Christ has given us ways and ideas and strategies and reassurance and promises to help us, equip us to do what we need to do to live life well and live with purpose. So he tells us this is common to man. But I tell you who also it was common to, it was common to Jesus himself. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4 that, he, we, that he's referred to as a high priest. And the high priest who used to have to give sacrifices on behalf of the people, he says, well, Jesus was also that high priest because he sympathizes with our weaknesses because he was tempted just like we have been tempted, yet he was without sin. And so our under, his understanding of who we are it's not, by, it's, not, it's not intellectual. His understanding of who we are is by experience. So when you sit with Jesus one day and he sits with you, he can turn around with absolute confidence, look at you in the face and say, I understand. I understand. Not I'm trying to get it. I kind of think I get it. But he can say confidently to you, I understand what you're experiencing because I experienced it as well. And you might be tempted to say, but what about this, Lord? Did you experience this? And what about this, Lord? Did you experience this? And you'll say, I experienced it. I experienced the nature of this temptation. Maybe not that specific example, but the nature of this temptation I experienced. I get it. I understand it. And I'm here to equip you and help you to overcome it. That's a beautiful thing. And all areas of life, the Lord Jesus Christ experienced this. Look, I'll give you some examples of how he experienced what we experience today. Listen, Jesus, firstly, Jesus and himself. Jesus and just his own nature. When he was in the wilderness, what does the Bible say? Is that he hungered. And in his hunger, in his hunger, he was tempted with something. So Jesus was dealing with himself. He was dealing with his own um, nature to get hungry and when you get hungry the temptations get harder because in that situation he was offered certain things and so he understood the carnal that sorry the the human the human ability to be tempted by this thing so he understood temptation and himself he understood it when it comes to uh, his spiritual enemy when he was in the wilderness what happened he not only had to contend with himself but he had to contend with the devil himself See, he gets it. Just like we have to contend ourselves sometimes with ourselves and what we feel and what we're feeling and sometimes we're not feeling great. We wake up not feeling the best and we feel it because our, our bodies are just, that's how they're designed, that's how they're made. Sometimes we wake up feeling better than other mornings. So that's just who we are. That's just human nature. And so we contend with ourselves, but sometimes we get up into the day and we deal deliberately and specifically with the devil himself because he has something he's targeting us for. And so Jesus had the same thing. He understood. He understood the temptation with himself. He understood the temptation with his spiritual enemy. He even understood the temptation with his family members who were close to him. That in John chapter 7, when he was told to, to um, I think it was off to Jerusalem, his own brothers, his own physical brothers made light of him. Work that out. It wasn't like his own physical brother said to him, Oh, Jesus, 
You know, you inspire us, bro. You inspire us, bro. Just go and show them who you are. <laughs> that he was actually tempted by those closest to him, his own physical brothers. Boy, I'm sure you guys have experienced that sometimes. He understood, so he understood himself, he understood the enemy, he understood those close to him. Listen to this, he even understood those, he even was tempted with those in spiritual authority. Even the Pharisees and the scribes of the day, even they made reference to him and put him down and even at one point called him the devil himself, Beelzebub. So now he's contending with those in spiritual authority. He also contended with those in earthly authority. When he was before Pilate, Pilate said to him, what are you doing? Don't you know that I have the power to crucify you or release you? As if like Pilate had some power over him. And so Jesus not only contended with the spiritual authorities of the day, but the earthly authorities of the day. And you watch how Christians have dealt with the last two years of this world pandemic, and they, and they make reference to the earthly authorities and what our responsibilities are. Well, Jesus had the same thing. It was common to him. And then sadly, probably the worst of all, maybe you could argue, he contended with those who were closest to him, his own disciples, when he got betrayed by a kiss by Judas. It was common to Jesus. It's common to us. It's common to me. So when the Apostle is saying here that there is no temptation that has overtaken you um, except such as is common to humanity, he, he's exactly right. That everything in life that is, that in our attempts to live like Jesus and to live well and to live with purpose is going to be constantly um, bombarded with the temptations that is common to man. But his next statement is perhaps one of perhaps the best three words in the scriptures. Perhaps the best three words in the scriptures that reassures us and encourages us, and it's this God is faithful. Yep, <clears throat> I'm telling you this, and I'm telling you everything that you need to know about this. But here is the answer. <clears throat> God is is faithful. How good's that? How good is it to know that yes, in all that is going on, the strongest foundation, the one the devil is probably trying to crack the most in your hearts, is this that God is faithful. How do you explain that? How do you understand that in light of everything that is, goes on in life? How do you keep that at the at the, the forefront of your heart and in your and close enough for you to be able to resist all that is going on around you? Yes, I know I'm faced with this, but I know God is faithful. Yes, I know this person is trying this, but God is faithful. I tell you what, if this was the thing that dominated your heart and mind constantly, which temptation that comes against you is going to overcome you? with the absolute confidence in our lives that God remains faithful. And in fact, in one passage in the Old Testament, he even asked the people of Israel, he says, do you believe me now? It's interesting, isn't it? Do you, believe, like now, do you believe me now? Because I'm faithful in all that is happening. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Don't look to the faithlessness of the past, 
Don't look to the faithfulness of the examples of the past or perhaps people that you know, but remember the faithful one who stands and helps and equips and encourages his people because God is faithful. Psalm, um, not Psalm, sorry, Isaiah 41 says this, Fear not, this is God speaking here, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And what I love about this verse is look at how many times that God refers to himself. There's five times that God refers to, says I. And two times he says I am. And three times he says I will. Because he's like emphasizing a point. I am and I am and I will and I will. Because this is who God is. Because he's faithful. Listen to it again. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes, I will help you, yes, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And God says, I don't need anybody, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because I'm faithful. I'm going to do it because I'm able. I'm going to do it because it's what I want to do. This is who I am, and this is my, you are my people. And so God grants us the promise in order to grant, give us the confidence to continue to do what we do in life. And so he is, remains faithful. Just compare him for a moment with someone else that you know. How, how much does his faithfulness compare to someone else? Can we, can we even compare him to anyone else? Think of the most faithful person in your life. Think of the, the person you would regard to be absolutely faithful and compare them to the Lord. Still, they would not come anywhere near and close to God himself because God remains, that's, who, that's, he, that's his nature. He is faithful. He does not change. Think about it like this. Can God let you down? Is it in him to do that? Is God true to his word? Is it possible for God to not be true to his word? Does God go missing in action? Do you go through life sometimes and think to yourself, where's God? Yes, you may, you may feel this, but does God go missing in action? Does God slumber? Does God decide to sleep through your circumstance? Does God decide to turn away and neglect and, and, and ignore his children? Of course not, because he remains faithful. And so the, the promise of the scripture is, is, is um, it, it's very clear because God is faithful. Uh, we must come to him. Remember Proverbs 18.10 says this, that the Lord is a strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. What do strong towers used to do? Strong towers, they used to be places of refuge. They used to be places that people would run to. They used to be places where you could perhaps um, um, get to a higher ground to be safe from the enemy. And the Bible says, well, the Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run unto it and are safe. And so while he's faithful and he stands as a strong tower, he asks us to do something, to run to him. Run to him, run believing and with absolute confidence that in the midst of temp this temptation and in the midst of this trial, God hasn't designed and put it in front of us that we stumble. Rather, he's designed and put it in front of us that we would run to him and find safety and security in the midst of this trial. This is the confidence of the child of God. 
The righteous run to it and are safe. Hebrews 11 says this, He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That we believe as the children of God that if we were to seek God with all our hearts diligently, in other words, we, don't, we make it our purpose and our intention to seek him in the midst of those trials and their temptations, then God is saying to us confidently that if God, if, if we believe that he is, then he's going to reward those who diligently seek him. He doesn't look at the seeking nature of his children and say, oh, you know, just you're not trying hard enough. When we seek God, God rewards. How does he reward? I'm not worried about earthly rewards because why, why would we even consider this to be the evidence of God's blessings? What I'm concerned about is our ability to stand, our ability to walk in his righteousness, our ability to walk like Christ and our ability to walk in his holiness. When this happens, this is the absolute confidence that God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Because this brings freedom. This brings life. This brings the peace we most desire. And this is the love of God. So I don't know where we are today, how far, how close, if we're running away, if we're running toward. But God welcomes us this morning. And God's, God's word to us is that I'm a strong tower. And if you're prepared to run to me, if you're prepared to run to me, you will find safety. You will find strength. You will find the capacity to resist. You will find the ability to stand because I'm a strong tower. And the struggle is often... And often the struggle, brothers and sisters, becomes the struggle to believe. And I believe one of the strongest temptations in all this is the temptation to keep believing. Because that's the crack in the foundation <laughs> that the enemy will want to create. I'll, even though it's very small and very faint, yet the ability for him to sneak in, sneak in very sneakily and say, you still really still believe? And that often is one of the strongest temptations more than any other is our capacity to stand and say with absolute confidence in our hearts, I still believe. When the temptation gets really strong, I still believe. When the relationship is rocky and I don't know what to do about it, I still believe. When the pressures of life come around us and the voices of people in our head are saying one thing, I still believe. Because this is, this is the, one of the strongest temptations that, the, that can come our way, is the capacity to continue to be able to, to believe. But God is faithful. God is faithful and he can always make a way. He goes on to say, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. He's always going to make a way. And I want to finish here because I want to, I want to unpack this a little bit more and I, I want to spend proper time doing that. 
But I want to, I want to, I want to finish this morning with this reminder. God has called us, as a child of God, God has called us to stand. Yeah, this is, this is our calling. God hasn't called you and I to stumble and fall and find ourselves doing things that we regret and, and living in regret and, 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 and going down paths we ought not to go and, and, and making choices that are going to hurt us and hurt us. That's not what God has called us to. As the children of God, he's called us to stand and he's given us the power by his spirit to be able to do this. And we may struggle in our minds and our hearts to continue to believe that God can do this. But remember this morning, brothers and sisters, that God is faithful. That God is faithful. That if you choose to believe that he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, and if you choose to run to that strong tower, then you'll be safe. And this is the confidence we have. And I can only imagine this morning that as I, as I attempt to share this, that what I share with you and perhaps what the enemy wants you to hear might be two different things. But I pray that perhaps we can reflect, we can think, we can trust, and we can even um, um, find our place in our hearts surrendering to his truths and to his word. Will we trust him? Would we be prepared to say, Lord, despite how strong this seems, I'm going to trust your word and we're going to continue to believe that you're faithful. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Let's pray this morning and ask the Lord to um, speak. Not... <clears throat> Uh, to speak where, or where he needs to speak in our lives and in our hearts. This morning, I encourage you to run to him. There'll be temptations and there'll be trials. And those temptations and trials are not the evidence that you're not doing well. In fact, they will become the evidence that you're standing for him. And they will become your confidence because you will be able to put your trust in the Lord and experience his love and his power to keep you standing. Let's worship the Lord this morning for our closing prayer. Let's worship him, a God that is faithful. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that you are holy indeed. Your name is above all names. You are great. You are mighty. And you are the one that rescues us and delivers us. You are our refuge. You are our hope. And your name is like a strong tower. We run to it, Lord. We run in the midst of the fiery trial. We run in the midst of the temptations of life. And we know you are waiting and we know you are ready because you are faithful to defend, to stand, and to hold us up. Father, grant us this faith. 
strengthen our belief and keep us and guard us from those things that want to weaken your truth. You are faithful. Father, we pray for the week ahead that you would continue to make your face to shine upon us, that your peace and your truth will guide us and lead us in everything. Continue to build your church, protect us, and establish your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.